I'm Jerome Davis. I'm the Artistic Director of Burning Coal Theatre Company. I'd like to welcome you to Into the Fire, the Burning Coal Theatre Company podcast series on all things theatre and sometimes uh, things beyond. Uh, we're very excited today to have uh, physicist David Ospness uh, here. Uh, David is uh, over at uh, NC State uh, right now in the physics department. David, hello. Hello. Thank I'm you. Glad to coming. be here. Oh, good. Well, we're glad to have you. Um, can you start out uh, before we dive into the heady subject of, of uh, physics and how it might connect in some ways to the arts? Uh, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're originally from, and how you got involved in that field? Sure. I'm an agricultural dropout. Grew up on a dairy farm in southern Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. Went into electrical engineering, and uh, once uh, my brother and I found that. There were easier ways to make a living that weren't dirty and dangerous. We never really looked back. Right. And uh, I went into engineering because uh, in uh, that time, just as now, uh, you're better off with a degree, BS degree in engineering than physics. But when I had a chance to go on, uh, then I switched to physics because that was always my first interest is to understand how things work and see if we couldn't affect them at a more fundamental level. And uh, getting my PhD at uh, University of Illinois in Urbana, I went uh, then to Brown University for a year as a postdoc, mm -hmm. and then joined as a member of the technical staff of Bell Laboratories in Murray Hill, uh, New Jersey. Uh, I stayed there for, I guess, uh, 25 years, uh, although the last eight were in Bellcor, which was the um, Bell Labs of the operating companies. Uh, and then when the job collapsed, I was able to get a, a position down here in the physics department. Mm -hmm. So uh, roughly half of my career has been spent in industry and nearly half now in academics. Right. And it was just the curiosity of wanting to know how things worked. Is that the impulse that drove you into that? that uh, basically, yes. Yeah. And uh, But there's another part to that, too. I'm an applied physicist, and right. like engineers, uh, we change the way people do things, but like physicists, we do that by understanding the basic principles behind what we're doing. So it's partially uh, practical and par partially uh, somewhat more intellectual, I guess. Uh, um, and you did know my uh, my brother-in-law, uh, Mark Kastner. Uh, you didn't know Mark's father by chance, did you, Jacob, um, who w I think was at maybe at Bell Labs uh, in the 50s? And uh, no, that would be before my time. That's a little before your time. Yes, yeah, so you were growing up in the 60s. Um, the uh, physics, uh, I guess, before the atom bomb was kind of a, uh, an esoteric uh, and not very lucrative uh, way to spend your life. Uh, but after nuclear fission, fission I guess it became, uh, it became more of a hot uh, subject uh, uh, after that. Well, that, that's not entirely true. Uh, semiconductors were always of interest. Mm -hmm. The um, reason you have a cell phone now is that in the 40s, Bell Labs management realized that they could not uh, mount a, a switching operation based on vacuum tubes or computation either. They were just too energy intensive. Mm -hmm. And so they were looking for a way to, um, to do amplification of signals that didn't require filaments. And this is what really drove the semiconductor industry. It, uh, the, the, the result was the transistor in 1947. Right. And then, of course, it went on from there. Right. We branched out beyond silicon uh, into optoelectronics and a wide range of other disciplines. So mm -hmm. uh, while the uh, atom bomb had a, made a difference, 
I would say the real difference in everybody's lives uh, comes from semiconductor technology. People saw uh, ways to uh, to to put that, that into use uh, for uh, uh, in people's daily lives, not not just in the catastrophic event of a, of a war or something like that. And That's correct. Or even nuclear power. You know, we right. uh, have that uh, to thank for the nuclear physicists sure. as well. But uh, I think as far as everyday life is concerned, uh, really it was a semiconductor revolution that makes a difference. Noted. Um, now, uh, it seems to me, and I'm uh, entirely a layman on this subject, but uh, it seems to me that, that we hit a period of time from the late um, 1800s into the 1940s, where uh, maybe even up into the 50s, where uh, one sort of great discovery after another was, was sort of coming out. Um, and uh, that that has not, with the exception perhaps of the internet, that that has sort of slowed. Um, have we have we discovered everything there is to discover, or or is there more out there? Well, uh, no reputable scientist would claim that we know everything about everything. Okay, <laughs> and uh, see, we don't know what we don't know, right? I mean, right. that's always a problem. We uh, With Donald Rumsfeld. Yeah, we no pretty knows. well know what we know, but we don't know that completely either. And right. yes, I agree with you that. The 1800s saw an explosion of knowledge. There was the um, mm. optics, for example, uh, Maxwell's equations, uh, thermodynamics. Uh, we get into the 1900s, and now we're talking Einstein, special relativity, mm -hmm. uh, photoelectric effect. Uh, then we get into quantum mechanics, and uh, we go on from there. Uh, then uh, things maybe do slow down a bit. We refine our knowledge, uh, and then the new areas that open up uh, probably for today would be astrophysics. We have now much better ways of measuring what goes on beyond Earth uh -huh. in the galaxies. Uh, nanotechnology, so we can fabricate these things that we knew about maybe 100 years ago but couldn't do anything with it. Mm -hmm. uh, materials, a big change there. Remember that the, uh, the engineers knew all about jet engines 100 years ago, but you couldn't make them. In fact, the first military jets uh, had to be torn down and rebuilt completely after 17 hours of use. Why is that? They didn't have the super alloys, the nickel, aluminum, titanium alloys. Yeah. And so a lot of the action, uh, I'd say the fundamental knowledge by and large may have been put down uh, in the early times, but the practical part of it uh, came later, and that was driven by material advances, chemistry, and other areas. And the, the, the uh, physicist Heisenberg uh, was uh, was uh, uh, active in the uh, first half of the 20th century and uh, played a fairly significant role in uh, um, some of these things that you're discussing. What is uh, Heisenberg's great contribution to, to the world, do you think? Quantum mechanics, uh, probably the uncertainty principle. Mm -hmm. And I could get more uh, deeply into it, but we could just leave it at that that uh, there's uh, in Newtonian mechanics, everything is deterministic. You know exactly what's going to happen. You can predict it. You know, you can't maybe calculate it in analytically, but with modern computers, you could do a pretty good job of, of uh, simulating it. Yeah. Uh, but the uncertainty principle comes in and says there are certain things that you just cannot measure. Or rather, if you measure position, you can't measure velocity. If you measure velocity, you can't measure position on the atomic scale. Of course, on our scale, we don't see that. 
So when you're talking about atoms, uh, electrons, uh -huh. then it shows up. And the the cat uh, in the box was uh, was a sort of a uh, emblematic of that idea um, what, that that he was neither alive nor dead until he was viewed. Is that uh, that that's part of uh, Heisenberg's uh, uncertainty principle? Well, that's generally attributed to Schrödinger, who right. was another famous uh, physicist back then, and that is the idea that uh, something can exist in two states simultaneously. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can't really resolve that until you make a measurement. Mm -hmm. Then you find out the cat is alive or the cat is dead. Right. Right. Um, the uh, the Heisenberg principle was um, was central to another play, uh, a play by the British playwright Michael Frayn called Copenhagen. I don't know if you know that uh, that play. Have you have you seen that one before? I have heard of it, but I haven't had the pleasure of seeing it, though. It, it uh, has to do with a meeting that he had with one of his uh, fellow uh, physicists uh, during the Second World War and a mistake that was made uh, in the German uh, calculations uh, in their effort to, to uh, build the bomb. And, and the play uh, posits the idea that, um, that the mistake was uh, too um, simple to have been... Uh, made that it really should not have been made and uh, so anyway it's quite a dramatic uh, situation and uh, Michael Frayn wrote a really interesting play about it mm -hmm. and um, and now Simon Stevens another British playwright has written the play Heisenberg which is uh, about um, less specifically so but about a similar idea the idea of how chance meetings in people's life can uh, can have a profound impact on their life and and really whether mm -hmm. or not that sort of thing is is um, uh, possible, or whether there's something else behind it that we simply don't know because we haven't, uh, we aren't able to observe it. Uh, so, uh, so phys physics are starting to creep into um, uh, into the arts. Do you have a, a sense of uh, of that as a as a physicist? Do you have a sense of the artistic world sort of knocking at your door? I guess you could say. Well, you realize that physics came out of music, and so there's a there's a fundamental tie there. Mm -hmm. As far as the comments of, on the play Copenhagen, uh, this happens all the time. I mean, any if you talk to any physicist, they will be able to point to places in their career where a chance meeting has changed direction. I can point to about four of them in my career, for instance. Mm -hmm. And uh, the uh, ideas of overlooking a breakthrough, that's fairly common as well, that the uh, real uh, skill of physics is to recognize when a breakthrough has occurred. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know breakthroughs happen all the time, but they just go in passing and nobody realizes that this is what's happened. As far as the arts are concerned, as I commented, uh, physics came out of music. Mm -hmm. And uh, there are uh, subsections of physics that deal with art. Uh, I don't particularly, but uh, Anytime you deal with symmetries, uh, coherency, uh, then you're talking about art as mm -hmm. well as physics. Sure, sure. Um, are there favorite artists of yours uh, in any uh, genre? Uh, now, now you have me on the spot here. <laughs> That's what we <laughs> like. Thinking, sure. I'm thinking painting. I'm thinking photography. I'm thinking music. Uh -huh. Uh, I like jazz. Uh, I date myself. Uh, Brubeck, I always thought he was a good uh, jazz pianist. Yeah. And uh, as far as 
stage plays are concerned, I really haven't been that much involved with them. I see a few occasionally, but uh, mostly my overlap with art would be, let's say, music and photography. It's a, it's a, a relatively new thing. There's a foundation, the Sloan Foundation, uh, I think based in New York City, that has been giving money to uh, some theaters across the country to produce plays that are about um, uh, science, uh, really, um, and physics specifically. But oftentimes the plays that are generated are simply biographies of of you know scientists, which I think is less um, enlightening ultimately than than plays that that get at the actual issue. And and the uh, Simon Stevens play Heisenberg really does that. It uh, it uh, talks about the uncertainty principle uh, through the the prism of of everyday people's lives and and uh, chance encounters. Um, when when people think of um, physics, um, I, I think the average person, certainly in this country, thinks of Robert Oppenheimer and the, the creation of the bomb, um, um, and um, not altogether all positively. Um, it, can, you know, uh, I know that anything can be used for good or for bad, but is, is physics being used for, in positive ways today in your estimation? Why, sure, pull out your cell phone. Okay, uh -huh. There's a good example. Internet, optical communications, yeah. there's positive benefits. Sure. Um, I think that uh, what curls a physicist's hair more than anything else is uh, when uh, an artist or a um, group or a novelist puts together something that violates the laws of physics. Yeah. And uh, that's in today's uh, society, that's almost inexcusable because everybody figures physics is esoteric, but it's not. You know, the. Um, I, you can tell me exactly what happens if you go around the corner too fast in your car, right. right? We'll put a number on it. That's the difference. But everybody lives with physics every day, and they're so used to it that they don't really realize that it is physics. It's affecting their lives. Yeah. And the same could be said of art. Uh, every billboard, every bumper <laughs> sticker, uh, every T-shirt with a logo on it, all of that is art. Uh, and we walk through it and past it and around it and even make it and don't realize uh, we're doing it the, the prisoners who make the license plates are making art really uh, when they do that. So, um, Well, the difference, if I could comment, is that everybody feels they can do art. Yes. And probably nobody feels they can do, they can physics. do physics. Yeah, that's and a good this point. Is, this is always irritating to physicists. Yeah. And it's uh, it's irritating to to artists too. <laughs> Believe me. Um, now, uh, cl uh, climate science is outside of your, your realm, um, David. No, I mean we're physicists, so we are try we try to be versed on a wide range of topics. Mm -hmm. And uh, how do you see that uh, science uh, uh, working with um, the political movement, uh, uh, the green movement today? Or well, do, you, do you see that? Yeah, here here's the problem of communications. Basically, I mean that's global warming is unam un unambiguous. It happens. And there are always people that try to explain it away. I listen occasionally to talk radio and some of the explanations there are really weird. Um, and I keep waiting for them to talk about the melting sea ice in the Arctic. And of course, they never bother with that. Or the fact that most of the temperatures are measured now by satellite, not by stations on the Earth here. Uh, the problem is that uh, these... Uh, the, these conclusions affect people economically mm -hmm. uh, and especially powerful interests. 
And uh, was it uh, Upton Sinclair who said that it's uh, difficult to convince a person uh, of the correctness of an idea if his job depends on his not understanding it? Yeah. And this is what you run into. The um, problem, though, lies partly with physicists because we need to be able to present these arguments in terms that the general public can understand. That's one of the things I work on basically at NC State is communications. And so uh, that's where uh, it's important that everybody be able to communicate things on a level that can be understood. Mm -hmm. So I had the franchise at Belcor for our particular laboratory. And uh, the rule there was uh, you talk at the level of planes fly faster. Right? I mean, people understand that. Yeah. Uh, if you get into the quantum mechanics of that or the mechanics of it, then you lose them. And so it has to be brought down to that level, and it has to be made immediate to the lives that they're living now. The uh, the, the government and uh, the U.S. government, in its wisdom, has um, declared that uh, no government funds can be spent on researching climate change. Is that did I hear that right on the radio the other day? Uh, that I don't I don't know. I can't really address that whether they're shutting down funding for climate change. Mm -hmm. Uh, the data are out there. You don't really need research on that. It's there to be found everywhere. Good. Well, very good. Um, we appreciate your time. Uh, this is fantastic. Uh, our um, series uh, uh, is uh, one that hopes to uh, address issues around the plays that we're doing here uh, at Burning Coal over the course of the year. And uh, the play Heisenberg uh, will open in January and run for three weeks here at the Murphy School. And and we appreciate uh, appreciate you, David, being here uh, to talk with us just a little bit about your work and uh, and how it uh, overlaps in some cases with our work. Thank you very okay. much. Well, thank you, and I'm looking forward to seeing the play. Excellent. Very good.